This is David Wilson, and welcome to episode 31 of On Another Track. Welcome to On Another Track with me, David Wilson, exploring people and places from around the world. A podcast series that takes you where you've never been, and probably where you never want to go. On Another Track is talking to people we can't meet with face-to-face, We use remote video technology and software to see what they have to say. This week is a special episode of On Another Track. We had the honour of an exclusive interview with Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada. With the run-up to the federal elections on September the 20th, the PPC has already achieved between 11 and 16% in the polls, with estimates going as high as 20% of the vote. However, with the lack of the mainstream media coverage here in Canada, Max has decided to hit the road to reach out to his constituents. I joined him on his last leg of the Mad Max tour here in Edmonton on the way back to his hotel. But first, listen as Max explains to his supporters why it's important to get out there and exercise your right to vote. You join me and I'm just going to listen to... Maxime Bernier's last presentation here in Edmonton, and you can hear him in the background, and there's a fantastic crowd here listening to him. But we did rallies like that outside, and a lot of people were there because they know that this election, it's about our freedoms. It's about, do you want more government control over your life? More of the same? More of the last 19 months? Or more freedom? I choose freedom, and I believe that a lot of people will choose freedom also. This is David Wilson for On Another Track, and I have the immense pleasure of having uh, Maxine Bernie with me and uh, we're actually in the same vehicle and he's just finished a full day in Edmonton campaigning. I think I've just seen the new Prime Minister of Canada, Max. But uh, you have to be patient. Uh, you know, I'm doing that because I believe in our freedom ideas and uh, and that's our fight. Um, I don't believe I'll be Prime Minister after this election, but I can tell you that this uh, young political party is growing step by step and we'll have a couple of our candidates that will be elected. And like I said in my speeches, we will start that freedom revolution in Canada. Today has been quite an experience for you because coming out to the West is always an unknown quantity, really, isn't it, in many ways? Is it fair to say that you've been mainly concentrating the East or have you been really consciously thinking about the West? Yeah, and the West, it is important for, for the country, for Canada, for the prosperity of our country. And I believe that people here in Alberta and in Western Canada, they like our platform. It is a platform based on more economic freedom. And also, you know, I'm seeing the same thing in Eastern Canada. Uh, and we have support over there also. In Ontario, it's growing very well. So what I'm telling people is we believe to a smaller a smaller government in Ottawa that will give more autonomy to 
provincial governments. And like that, you'll have more prosperity and united country. Well, that's great to hear. And again, I couldn't help overhearing your conversation today that uh, your good lady was uh, in uh, Quebec today, I think, and uh, she was actually at a rally and something like 25,000 people turned up. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Because as you know, in Quebec, they imposed the the vaccine passport a couple of days ago and people were marching against that in Montreal. And yes, my wife was there with some friends. And, uh, you know, we are living under a medical tyranny here in Canada, and that must stop. I believe that this election would be a kind of a referendum on the vaccine passport. And we are for freedom, freedom of choice, and we don't want to impose anybody uh, a vaccine passport. In reality, we've always had vaccine certification, haven't we? There's nothing been abnormal about that in the past, and many countries expect it before you visit. So yeah. why are we getting so uptight about it, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you travel in some countries, sometimes you need to have a vaccine for yellow fever or things like that. I I did it. You know, I was foreign affairs minister. I travel across the world and I had all these vaccines. But I choose not to have the COVID-19 vaccine because I look at the data and the statistic here in Canada. And here in Canada, for a man 58 years old, my chances of dying from COVID, if I have COVID, are 0.5%. So my survival rate is 99.5%. That's why I decided not to have the vaccine. But I encourage my dad that is 87 years old with comorbidities, is diabetic, to take the vaccine. And he did it. So everybody must be free to decide. And we, you know, we don't want to live in a society in Canada when you have to do, participate in a civil society to show your papers. And actually, your vaccination status must be a private health information. Yes, I have a passport that I use when I'm traveling across uh, in another country, and I'm, I'm happy to show my Canadian passport, but not if I want to participate in, civ- in the civil society here in Canada. Do you think it's uh, the thin edge of the wedge? I've heard some people dramatically say this is like just prior to the Second World War, like the Nazis. It almost feels like a regime has come in and it's really starting to exercise or flex its muscles and people are just curtailing to it. What, what do you feel about that? Is that too dramatic? You know, I, I can tell you that uh, a lot of our supporters and volunteers are people who are coming from a communist country uh, or under a dictatorship. And so they understand that the country is not going in the right direction and, uh, and they don't want to be in a position to show something to an authority to do something that is legal in this country. Now we are dividing the population uh, uh, with their vaccination status. Uh, We don't want that. We want to unite all Canadians uh, under the freedom umbrella. So I I had people that uh, are coming to me and are saying, you know, uh, I was coming from uh, Germany during the Second World War, and I don't like what I'm seeing here. Um, so that's why we're doing this fight. And that's why I believe, you know, we will win that. I don't know when, but it won't happen. We will uh, be able to save, in brackets, our country. So we've talked very briefly about the passports. Now, what other policies are you firmly standing your ground on within, you know, the PPC party? What's your viewpoint on the different perspectives that you have as a party? Very different on immigration policy. We don't believe in mass immigration. We believe in sustainable immigration. We are the only national political party that is uh, fighting for fewer immigrants instead of 400,000 a year. As you know, Canada, we have 30 
38 million people here, 400,000 a year. It would be the population of Nova Scotia every two years here in this country. And the majority of them are people coming under reunification of family and refugees. Only 24% of them are economic immigrants or skilled immigrants. And so what we want to do, we want to be sure that our immigration policy will fulfill our economic needs in this country. And that's why we need to have fewer immigrants, a maximum of 150,000 a year, with the majority of them to be skilled immigrants to help us to develop this country. So that's a very different position than all the other political parties that are always for more and more immigrants. And uh, in Canada, if you look at the statistics, 21% of our population were born outside the country. And if you look at other countries like in Europe or in the U.S., it's about 10%. So we are not against immigration. We are for sustainable immigration. And we need to have that debate in this country because we don't want our country to be like in France where there's no go zone. And uh, so that's why I'm doing that that discussion with Canadians because I love this country and I want this country to be like that, to be diverse and like that uh, in 25 years. Is there any other key policies that you would like to mention to the listeners that that are very, very important and very close to your heart? Yes, all that uh, debate on the pipelines in this country, equalization formula, we are the only political body that is speaking about it and uh, against the Paris Accord. We don't want to impose a carbon tax. You know, we won't sign the Paris Accord. We will have an immigration policy that will be for concrete actions for this country. We still have a lake that are polluted. We need to have clear lakes, clear rivers. So let's do something concrete for the environment and we will let the fight against climate change to provinces if they want. So we won't sign the Paris Accord. We won't impose a carbon tax. We will build pipelines in this country. We will also change the equalization formula that is not fair in Canada um, to be less generous and fair for every province. But also, we want to be sure to balance the budget. We are the only party that um, will balance the budget in one mandate by uh, looking at our expenses and um, taking uh, strong principle decisions to be able to balance the budget. We're quite unique in Canada having an equalization policy. What was the history behind that and why has it caused so many problems for places like Alberta, for instance? Yeah, so the equalization policy, it's in the constitution. It's a way for rich provinces to give money to poor provinces. For in Canada, every province must be able to uh, give the same uh, quality of public services to their citizens. So there's a, it's a formula that is doing redistribution of wealth in this country. But what is happening? The formula is unfair. Uh, for example, it's a poverty, poverty trap. Uh, Quebec uh, received equalization money uh, since 1957. And Quebec is not a poor province. It's because of the formula that is not fair. We need to change that and to be less generous because now there's no incentive for other provinces like Quebec or New Brunswick to develop their own natural resource, big resources. They have a lot of natural resources in Quebec, like shale gas. And we have a moratorium in Quebec on the exploitation of that because if the Quebec government said yes, to the exploitation of the shell gas, 
uh, they will receive less money from the equalization formula because Quebec will be richer. So the formula is a poverty trap. We need to change that. And also here in Alberta, for them, it's a big concern because Alberta was a rich province and always gave money to the federal government for the equalization formula. And now with oil and gas industry that uh, there's not an economic growth here in this uh, province. So they are still paying but they don't receive anything from the federal government. So people out West, they don't like it. And I understand them, but I'm the only national politician that is speaking about it. And now that's not only a question of bringing more prosperity to our country by changing the formula, but it's a question of unity in our country. When you have about 30% of the population here in Alberta that is ready to separate because of that, and you have irresponsible federal establishment politicians that won't speak about that. So, yes, it's important for Western Canada to change that formula, but also for uh, uh, for every province to have a fair formula. And we have a solution for that. So that's why I think people out West like that we are speaking about the real issues that are important for them and also for the future of our country. What are some of the things that you've heard from the people that have turned up to support you today? What are the key things that you think are coming across? I believe, like you saw, the most important is the vaccine passport. This election will be about that. And people know that we built this party based on four principles, individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness. So for us, uh, uh, the freedom of shove is important. And and we will fight to be sure that we will not have a vaccine passport that would be imposed on every province. It's a, it's an important question of this election because Justin Trudeau said that he's able, is ready to give a billion dollars that we don't have. In Canada, we had a huge deficit last year, $351 billion. And so Trudeau is ready to give a billion dollars to provinces for them to impose a vaccine passport. So that question now is a national question. Uh, it's important for people here in Alberta, but also for people in Eastern Canada. So people were asking questions about that. And also Trudeau passed a legislation to ban uh, some kinds of firearms. And that was not based on science. It was based on the look of uh, firearms. And the way that they did, they confiscated a lot of firearms from uh, hunter and uh, farmers. And so we are the only party that will abolish that and recognize the property rights of firearms owners. So that's another important question is in, here in Western Canada. You did just briefly touch on the balance of payments, and that's a really important factor for us as a country you know, to get out of where we are at the moment. Realistically, I think it was four years as a party you've, you're looking at. Is that correct? Yeah, we want to balance the budget in four years. Uh, that will be doable because uh, if you look at the uh, projections coming from the federal government on our budget, the last year, so the fourth years, the deficit is supposed to be around 15 to 20 billion dollars. So we can solve that by having, yes, important decision like cutting foreign aid, $5 billion that we can save. It's not the role of the federal government to fight climate change in Africa and giving money to African countries. It's not our role also to build roads in Africa. Let's bring back that money here in Canada. But Canadians will be there if there is a humanitarian crisis or environmental crisis in another country will be there. So, but we can save $5 billion there. We can save between 
five to ten billion dollars by cutting corporate welfare. Uh, the federal government is giving a lot of subsidies to big businesses. We'll cut that. And same thing also for the media. Uh, the federal government bailed out the media with a fund of six hundred million dollars. And we want the media to be independent, not dependent on the government. So we'll save money there. And same thing for CBC, Radio Canada. They receive $1.2 billion there. They must be able to finance their activities by their viewers. So we know what to do to balance the budget. And we, we know that we'll be able to do that in four years. But the conservatives that are not conservative anymore are saying that they will balance the budget in 10 years. When they ask for a four-year mandate, there's no real action for balancing the budget. And actually, O'Toole said during a debate that he will balance the budget in 10 years without cutting. Uh, it won't happen. So he's saying the same thing that Justin Trudeau said a couple of years ago, that the budget balance itself. And we all know that it cannot happen. So they're not serious. They're not conservative anymore. And that's why people in Canada understand that the People's Party of Canada is the only real conservative party in this country. I've got an interesting question because I'm an immigrant to Canada, as you can tell from the accent. It's pretty obvious. Um, as somebody coming from the UK, I was really impressed with the Harper government. When I first arrived yeah. in Canada, I, I could say that, you know, the, the country was run well. It was yeah. well looked after. There was a great captain at the helm. Yeah. And you were part of that government. Is that correct? Yeah, I was part. I was an industry minister. I was a foreign affairs minister. I jumped into politics at 43 years old. I worked before that in the private sector, in the financial sector in Montreal. I was a VP of a financial institution. And I decided to run for politics in 2006 when Harper asked me after a dinner that I had with him and other people to run under the Conservative Party. And at that time, the Conservative Party of Canada was conservative. But I quit and I resigned in 2018 because the Conservative Party was not conservative at that time. And I said, this party is intellectually and morally corrupt. And now more and more people uh, understand that because we have every day a proof of that when we are uh, listening to uh, Aaron O'Toole. Did you have any doubts when you were forming the party or were you very clear? No, I was clear because uh, when we created the party, we created the party on a strong freedom platform and for a smaller government and like, you know, classical liberal in that time. But that platform was the platform that I ran on during the leadership contest in 2017. And I didn't win with 49% of the vote. So when I decided to run after the leadership to resign and create the PPC, it was easy. We took the same platform, the same ideas, and that was a platform, and that is a platform of the People's Party of Canada. And I, like I said, we won't do any compromise with our ideas, and we will push until we will win that battle of ideas. Now, I'm interested about the story behind the man, okay? Because what I saw today was an amazing sense of empathy and emotional intelligence coming from you, because people really warmed you very, very quickly. Where does that come from? I don't know, you know, um, I like what I'm doing. I like politics because I like the, the battle of ideas, but I like also to be with people. And, you know, if you don't like people, I believe you cannot be a, a, a good politician. They're giving me a lot of support and that is giving me a lot of uh, energy also to go on. Uh, I know that they count on us, they count on the PPC. 
and I won't let them go. I will always fight, like I told them. You know, the fact that we have more people that are coming at our rallies, it is good. But I must say that when I started to speak against that uh, uh, COVID-19 hysteria and lockdowns, and uh, I said in, in the beginning of that uh, crisis that every business is essential, we must reopen the economy, we must protect the most vulnerable people and let uh, people do what they want to do. Uh, that was not popular at that time. We did some rallies and we didn't have a lot of people, but now more people understand. And that's what I like in politics. When you fight for uh, the strong ideas based on principles, maybe in the beginning you're not that popular, but you know, you keep going to speak about what we believe based on facts, on science, openly with passion and conviction, and you have more and more people. And now at the end of this electoral campaign, we have more people that are coming at our rallies. That's encouraging, but that's only the beginning. You know, we had 1.6% of the vote at the last election for our first election, but we did better than the Green Party of Canada because it took 20 years and six elections for the Green Party to have more than 1.6%, and we did that in our first year. And now, you know, if we uh, finish at around 6, 7, 10%, it would be a great achievement for the party, and we'll have some candidates that would be elected. We'll, we'll do that battle after the election, and we'll be ready for the next one. It's a long battle. But I know we'll win it. You're halfway through listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. My guest this week is Maxime Bernier, leader of the PPC party here in Canada. Next, I wanted to ask Max a little bit more about family life and who was the inspiration behind the man that I see in front of me. Margaret Thatcher. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, you know, she was fighting socialism in UK at that time when it was very popular, like here today, and all the other party were socialists. And she said, no, no, that's not the right thing to do. And she, she fought, she fought, and she was able to be in government. And uh, she took to her principle in the, the time were rough, but she decided to. And after politics, she said, I, I, I watched one of her interview on YouTube after politics, and she said, they, they asked her a question about what was the the thing the the thing that you didn't like in politics when you were a politician. And she said, I didn't like that politicians uh, want always to find a consensus. And she said, you know, I don't like that a consensus because if you do a consensus, you have to do some compromise. And I don't like to compromise on my principle because I'm doing politics based on principle. So for me, there's no compromise to do and no consensus. I don't understand that you'll do a compromise to achieve a consensus on your principle. So uh, she was a strong politician and, um, and you know, I, I like her very much. And in my personal life, um, my dad was in politics before me. He was an MP under Brian Roney, in elected the first time in 1984, re-elected in 1988, re-elected as an independent in 1993. And uh, he was a down-to-earth politician, a people's guy. And I think I have that part of my dad in politics. I know that you can have your good time and you'll have the not not so good time. You you need to to stay and and strong. And that will help you when the time won't be so good. And when the time are good, you just say, you know, 
okay, it's okay, but it can be bad. So let's let's be honest with yourself. And my dad is still uh, 87 years old and uh, he's still helping me in my riding in bowls. My goal is to win back that riding. It's a tough election. We uh, I'm competitive right now. Uh, and I think that I will be able to win back that riding. And uh, my dad and mom uh, taught me to work hard and be honest. And I know that I cannot please everybody. Uh, usually politicians, they try to please everybody. Uh, that's their nature. They want to be loved. Uh, but me, you know, I will tell you what I believe. And if you don't like that, don't vote for us. And I said that publicly. If you don't like what I'm saying, you know, I won't do any compromise. I won't pander to you to have your vote. Uh, please don't vote for us. And like that, I can sleep very well. When I start this election, I did a press conference in my riding in Bose and the mainstream media were there. And they asked me a question, Bernie is speaking like that against the vaccine passport. You know that you have an older population here and they supported that if you look at the polls and maybe you won't help your cause to be reelected here in Bose. So what do you think? I said, you know, I prefer not winning uh, on my principle than winning, uh, doing some compromise with my principle. I will sleep well if I don't win, but I did the battle that I believe in. And and so that that's what I like in politics. And that's why, you know, maybe the People's Party is different than the other political party. Uh, because the platform of this election, like I said in my speeches, that's the same platform on the last one. We don't do polling to know what you want to hear to change our platform. It's the same one, and it will be the same one at the next election until we win that battle of ideas. And I would like to just pick up on what you were doing in business before the Harper government. And again, for people that don't know you very well outside of Canada, what, what did you train for and what did you do in business? You know, I did a, a business degree in Montreal at university. After that, I did my law degree in University of Ottawa. I practiced law only three years when I started my first job. And after that, I went into, into the financial sector. And uh, at the end of my career, I was VP of uh, Standard Life, that's an insurance corporation based in uh, UK. And after that, and I I always like public policies. Uh, That's why also I work with the uh, Montreal Economic Institute. That's a free market think tank. I was VP there. And so I think I had a good background for politics, but also like, you know, I'm not a career politician. Like I said, first time elected, I was uh, 43 years old. So I have some private sector experience and I think it's useful for me in politics now. You did indicate that you got into politics quite late on in life. And so if somebody was considering politics and there's lots of opportunities with the PPC party at the moment, what's the kind of attributes that you think that would make an ideal candidate for the PPC party in Europe? What I like, our candidates are proud to say that they're not career politicians. You know, they're mom at home, dad at home, truck driver, university professor, lawyers. We are different and coming from different backgrounds, and I like it. And the, the common denominator is all these people believe in our platform, believe in our philosophy, believe in our ideas, and they're ready to fight for Canadians, and they're ready to do politics differently. They're ready to put Canada first and, and our people first. So that's the only condition. We don't do any uh, uh, pandering and 
political correctness and try to have a number of women, a number of uh, gay or black candidates. It's not important for us. You believe in this country, you're ready to do the fight, come with us. And if we have 51% of candidates that are women, that's good. If we have only 25%, that's good. Uh, we don't want to play that, that game of uh, political correctness. And it's the best person for the job, ultimately, isn't it? Absolutely. That's, that's what we are doing. And every of our candidates, we are doing a background check of them, be sure that they understand our platform. And we don't have any difficulty to find candidates. People are coming to us. And in some writings, we had a competition and we like it. When we approve more than one candidate for one writing, we will have a competition and uh, people in the writing will decide which person would be the best candidate for their uh, writing. What would you feel is the kind of message that you want to get across to Canadians? What would be the kind of words that you would sort of urge them you know, to make them think about the future for Canada, not just for themselves, but for their children and for anybody that comes into this country? What would be your words on that? I'll tell them, you know, the government right now is the problem in Canada and government is not the solution. And, you know, like Jordan Peterson said, you know, if you want to change the world, first start by making your bed in the morning. And, and the same thing, you know, we want people to be not dependent on, on government. And now with big government, with big programs, that's the philosophy of the government. They want people to be more dependent. We want them to be able to do what they want to do. We want a smaller government that will look at them not as children, but as adult that are responsible of their actions and because we believe in them because we have faith that they have the ability and the right to make their own decisions and determine their own destiny so that's what we believe we believe in people we don't believe that the government is the solution to all the challenges that we are having in the society so i'm telling canadians Believe in yourself. We are there for you. And all together, we'll build a better country with a smaller government in Ottawa, with more freedom, and that will be a prosperous country. Okay, I'm going to give you one final question. I ask everybody this. If you were 18 again, what would you tell yourself now you've got this knowledge? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know... Do what you think is right in life. And uh, sometimes it can be tough. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, in my private sector career, um, you know, sometimes thing was not going well. But keep pushing and working and pushing and uh, you'll be able to achieve what you want in life. I believe in that. Uh, I believe in working hard. And, um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you can be disappointed uh, with the result that you have. And it happened to me, but you need to go on and work in order and uh, things will happen. So I'm telling uh, 18 years old uh, Canadians, believe in yourself, fight and try to find uh, maybe older people, your parents and uh, other people that can be your mentor. And that will help you to be successful in life. Maxime Bernier, thank you very much. And I really appreciate this time after a long, long day with you. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. I'm very pleased that I have that opportunity also. If you want to know more, you can know you can you know how to reach us and people can look at our website, People's Party of Canada CA, to know more about the People's Party of Canada. Thank you. What we won't do any compromise with our ideas, we won't merge with anybody, we will support the Liberals or the Conservative or the NDP if if 
they like one of our ideas and they want to implement it. I doubt, I doubt, but yes, we will always fight. And because our ideas are, maybe they are not that popular today, but it's not because an idea is not that popular, that that idea is just and true. The freedom ideas will become popular because they are just and true and because we will speak about it until we win that battle of ideas. You've been listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. My guest this week has been Maxime Bernier, the Iron Man who's going to lead you to freedom with the PPC. Remember, there are more conversations coming up in the series. Just look out for On Another Track with David Wilson on your local podcast platform and subscribe. This has been a BrickCam production for Urban Aspect Incorporated. Keeping us safe on the roads of North America.